Good morning. Glad you're here. In our world, uh, things are changing rapidly. My father was born in 1914, and I thought one time, he passed away about seven or eight years ago, and I thought, think about all the changes that just went flowing by in his life. And that's the way we are. We're, we're in a world that changes dramatically and rapidly, uh, as the video pointed out, some of those changes uh, taking place in just a few short decades, really. Normal is something that changes in a way uh, as, as we deal with technology, as we deal with the way things are going in the world, new things we're discovering and, and all of that. Um, but it's also something that uh, culture tends to define for us or tries to define for us. And in this series, what we're looking at particularly is uh, normal as what's morally acceptable behavior for people in a given culture. And so we're looking at that and how there's this ongoing conversation in cultures, and I'm sure all cultures, but particularly in our culture, uh, about what should be considered normal or acceptable behavior. Uh, our goal in this series really is to show why it's so vital to discover God's definition of what normal is. It doesn't change. You know, we've got society, things are flowing through, we're in the 21st century, all kinds of things are changing and moving along. But God, who He is, and His definition of normal doesn't change. It, it stays the same. And so that gives us some real foundation to build on, but we need to know what that is. So what we're, we're doing in this series is encouraging you to figure out what his definition of normal is, to dig into the scriptures where you find it, and make his definition a part of your own life. God's promised life and good to you if you do that. That's what we looked at last week. Um, which means that I need to be careful, since this is the case, since God promises life and good to those who live by His definition of normal and what's morally acceptable, and who aim to live His way, then I need to dig in and find out what He says about all these important issues. Because to the extent that my definition matches God's definition, my family and I experience the good God wants for me and mine. This is, it's, you know, God, the way He is, He made us. It's right that we honor Him and do what He wants. But He gives us the freedom to do it or not. And so, we find that as we use the freedom God's given us to dig in, discover what He says about life and how it works best, we find out that when we do what He thinks is best, life goes great. God, life goes good. We still have trouble. We still with the, deal with the normal things, which is not the subject of what I'm talking about today, but, uh, so I don't have time to go into why that is. But um, life is good. There's a sense of meaning and purpose in it as we do what God, God said. Last week we looked at how there's a tremendous amount of power in a culture, in mainstream culture particularly, that can overwhelm us with its idea of normal like a tidal wave. It just 
whoosh. And if you ever try to go swim against it, you know, it's, it's, it's really difficult to keep moving forward. Today, particularly, last week we looked at my normal, how, how important it is to get into Scripture, find out what God says should be my normal for me and my family. What should I teach my children? Today we're going to look at our normal. Why, why it's important for Christ followers to aim to influence the culture that He's put us in. Uh, I want to look particularly at how we're commanded by our leader, by Jesus Himself, to relate to our culture and the government that God's put in place. And there's some, some very helpful things that we see in Scripture and some real guidance for how to, how to do all this. But in general, he wants us to be an integral part of our culture and to influence for good toward the right things. We're going to look at our need to gain the character, continue to grow in the character and skill to influence our culture, both informally and uh, through formal channels, because in our country we have the, the uh, freedom and the privilege to influence uh, what goes on in our world, we, we have freedom of speech, very important factor in our lives. And so we're going to look at this. We're going to dig in. The way people are wired, we always organize socially. Um, you can see that if you throw five or six people in an elevator, they get stuck. There's going to be, for you know, if they're in the elevator for a few hours, there's going to be an organization that develops. You know, somebody's going to be trying to call the shots and somebody's going to be, do, you know, encouraging others or whatever, whatever the organ. It, it, it just is the way we're wired. A temporary structure is going to develop there. You can see how this occurs on the TV show Survivor. I don't know if you ever watched it. I've watched a few seasons, but I've kind of tailed off here at the end. Um, you can only take so much reality TV, can't <laughs> um, anyway, what happens on that show is a social organization develops that you can't really see at home because you're only given the slice that the camera shows you. And often you're, you're kind of surprised that the winner of the million dollars, the one who comes out on top, because you can't see the whole structure. You, you can't see exactly what's going on. Uh, but it's the one who navigates that social structure who wins. They, they, they navigate it the best within the boundaries of the game. You know, you can't you stay inside the rules of the game. For my purpose today, it's important to realize that organize, organization develops in every culture and Christ followers are commanded to do what they can, what they're able to influence it for good. And this is not a game. Our, our lives and the lives of our children and the next generation really depend on how we respond and, and our ability to influence culture and obviously, bottom line, what God decides to do with our culture. He's, he's in complete control of the direction of history. But we tend to be a ball of emotion over what's going on in government, don't we? In America, mainstream culture tends to get solidified in government because the people we put in office, we elect them to office, they, they carry the culture right in here. This is where the culture is. And so they show up and, and mainstream culture eventually gets solidified in government. 
And as decisions are being made, people are being elected to office, we get really wound up in it because uh, we know that the decisions they're going to make, the laws they put in place, are going to affect us personally. So we take it personally. We, we, get, we get into this. It really gets us wound up. And there's a wide range of responses or some reactions to culture and government that we have. The easiest thing to do is to grumble and complain about leaders. I'd say maybe that's one of the most native things to do, <laughs> is to grumble and complain. If you listen to talk radio, <laughs> the grumbling and the complaining get amplified. I mean, you're really wound up because their goal is to get you fired up about whatever it is they're talking about. And as they talk about it, it helps you get fired up and start grumbling. Yeah, that's right. What are they thinking? You're grumbling and complaining. And here's the problem. If you decided to follow Christ, uh, we're told to do everything without complaining or arguing. Cramped in our, our emotional response to what's going on in our culture. Puts a cramp. And the idea in telling us that is that we're to stand out in the way we approach areas of disagreement. It's not that we don't disagree. It's that we're to stand out in our approach to areas of disagreement so we shine like stars in the culture. Why would we shine like a star? Because everybody complains. It's the easy thing to do. Most everybody complains. That's very easy to fall into. So that's one response, grumble and complain about our leaders. Another basic emotional response is to lash out to silence those who disagree with us. You know, if you have a view that's opposite of mine, I'd just like to hear you shut up <laughs> right now. You know, we just want the other side to shut up on any issue because, you know, ah, you get all wound up. My brother-in-law said, it was interesting, he said when he came back from Vietnam, he'd been shot down five times. He's a helicopter pilot. And he, when he got to the airport, he was still in his uniform. And all kinds of people, as he walked by, were shouting, or not shouting probably, but just making derogatory, derisive remarks toward him because he was in uniform. And, of course, I got fired up when I heard that they were doing this to him. And he said, you know what? I thought, that's why I fight, so they can have the freedom to express their opinion. What we want to do is we want to shut the other side up <laughs> that's that's something that we'd prefer. But everybody's got their opinion. And in our country, freedom of speech is important. And it serves a purpose. And we're going to talk a little more about that later, not a lot. Another response to culture is to withdraw from it and pull back from relating in order to protect ourselves. We We just get afraid about having conversations over sticky, controversial issues, and we think, well, to each his own anyway. You know, I, I don't want to touch that topic with a 10-foot pole. I just don't really want to do that. And so then we go from there to, you know, morality is really an individual matter. It's just everybody should be able to make up their mind for themselves. Everybody does. But that shouldn't 
factor into the way we relate to what's going on in our culture, and we'll look at why now. What I want to do today is dig into the Bible to look at what it says to Christ followers about their role in relating to culture. Uh, We're to informally, uh, in conversations, and formally as we uh, take our role in government, uh, aim to influence the culture in the right direction. And so we're going to dig in to this. If you aren't yet uh, a follower of Christ, you'll find out kind of what God expects in this realm. But we're going to begin today by looking at God's view of government. It's, it's really fascinating uh, as, you, as you get into it. In Romans 13, Paul, who was one of the key leaders in the Christian movement in the first century, he helped start and give direction to all kinds of churches in, in that first century, uh, just following the death and resurrection of Christ. And he wrote a letter to a church in Rome uh, that he was involved helping with helping. And... They were trying to figure this out. How, how do we interact with the established government? Especially since Rome was this world power and the people, the Hebrew people uh, in Jerusalem and then who were scattered all through the region, uh, they resented the control of the Roman government. And especially Christians, as, as groups of Christians began to grow up, and Paul was writing to this group of Christians, um, they, they were trying to figure out, how do I rightly relate to this government that is so violently opposed to us <laughs> and what we're doing? How, how do I figure this out? Nero was the emperor at the time. He was, a, he was tyrannical and extravagant. Uh, here's a statue of Nero. That's pretty regal, isn't it? Very regal-looking statue. Um, very, very nice. But this man was brutal. Uh, he murdered his own mother. He was said to have poisoned his stepmother. So it didn't seem like it was a good thing to be necessarily related to him. He was a brutal man. And what he would do, he was an early persecutor of Christians, and what he would do is he would capture them. Here's a picture of what kind of that portrays, I don't know if you can see it very well, but on the right there in that picture, there are people who have uh, basically kindling wrapped around them, and they're going to be lit as torches for his garden party that night. This is what he would do with Christians. He, he would light them as torches. So, as we read what Paul wrote to the church at Rome... Um, we, we need to keep that in mind as the background. Look at Romans 13. It says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Paul, Paul begins this passage by explaining that government is God's idea. He, put, he puts the leaders in place for his own purposes. Sometimes we may not understand what he's trying to accomplish by those he puts into place. But he put them there. Very clear from this passage that this is what's going on. 
and, and what happens is this passage, this gets personal very quick. Uh, because essentially what Paul is saying here is that for those Roman Christians uh, to refuse to obey the laws of the government and pay taxes, it's wrong. E- even this brutal government uh, that's run by the Emperor Nero. He's not saying that we have to agree with the government 100%. But he's telling them and us to obey it. Now, there's a limit to our obedience, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, But in order to avoid judgment from God brought on by the rebellion, we obey. This includes people like Nero, to the extent that we can with our good conscience before God. He goes on to comment on our relationship to rulers. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. So, of course, you know, if you're driving down the highway, you see a policeman, you're not as afraid. If you're, not, if you're going 80, you, you're a little concerned. <laughs> but if you're, if you're driving the speed limit, you're not as concerned because you're, you're doing good. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And then he points out uh, the role of government from God's perspective. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God and avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Now, this is God's direction for leaders. It was given to Christians to kind of help them understand how to relate to the government over them. It's also given to the leaders themselves, and God holds them accountable as well. Uh, And he, he judges them at a higher level. But here's the role of government. It's to serve the good of the people and to punish wrongdoers. This, this is why government exists. This is why God put it in to play in our world. Good laws provide boundaries that promote justice for people. Some of our laws protect the innocent and punish the guilty. This preserves the rights of all people against these sinful tendencies that we have that would destroy and damage uh, people and the culture if not restrained. This, this includes in our world many of the hot topic issues that, we've been, that we talked about last week at least. We haven't been talking very long about them, but we mentioned them last week. The issues of family, marriage, sexuality, protection of life, things like that. Uh, some of the hottest topics in our country actually um, are, are very crucial. And the laws, sometimes we check out of the conversation because the laws that are put into place of these are very important. And I'm going to talk about why now. But the handout from last week, it's available today. I believe it's in the lobby and you can pick it up, out. But it lists these hot topic issues. And it also gives you Bible references to kind of start your search to discover what God says about normal in these areas, what, what he says. But one aspect of the government's role in our lives is that many people allow the government to decide what's right and wrong by default. It's sort of, oh, it's, this is the law. It's okay. We, we made it okay. 
This is why it's so crucial that the government put laws in place that serve the best interests of the people in every arena, in every area. In practice, the government uh, acts like a gatekeeper on boundaries. It's like the gatekeeper. So, some people are going to break laws. They're going to bust through the laws and the boundaries. Regardless, you know, there's that phrase, some laws are meant to be broken. We sort of have that attitude sometimes toward it. But even though some people are going to break the laws, in reality, the law in a culture has a teaching function. It's teaching the culture something. Um, it instructs adults on right and wrong, and especially children on what's morally acceptable in that culture. It's legal, so it must be okay. You ever had that thought, or you ever heard that thought? Hey, it's all right, it's legal. Must be all right. This is the way that the laws act as a gatekeeper. When something harmful is legalized, it opens the gate for many to explore the path that that freedom takes you down that wouldn't wouldn't go that way without the legalization of that thing. <laughs> and so this is why it's important for us to engage in what's going on if we're Christ followers, because we can really love the people in our culture if we aim to do everything we can to establish and maintain laws that set the right boundaries and that bless the people in the culture. After Paul lays out how government is God's idea, then he instructs us to support the government uh, in verse 6 to 7. For because of this, you also pay taxes. April 15th is coming. I was working on my taxes this week. But you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all that is... Owed, uh, pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Our, our responsibility to government goes beyond just following the law. It also includes respect for the leaders who govern. Uh, primarily due to their position of authority over us. Sometimes the leaders over us aren't very respectable, but we're to respect the position they have uh, regardless. That's, that's what we're told here, to give honor to those who uh, have positions over us. We honor these men and women for the position they hold, and ultimately we do this because the one who put them there. In America, we have a tremendous amount of freedom. But we also have a duty as citizens and Christ followers to use our freedom for the good of the people around us. And this includes the way we relate to uh, people informally and formally in, in relating to the government. All citizens should desire uh, to live in a moral society that blesses its people and future generations. We, we live... When we live inside the boundaries that God's given us, regardless of whether you're a Christ follower, you're blessed. You find blessing in that. Blessing comes as we match up with God's design for how we should live. So this is why I'm doing this message series. I, I really want to encourage you to think about these things. Don't just let culture flow by. 
Don't let the tidal wave just take you in a certain direction. But stop and think about what's right and what's good for everyone and then get involved. God's given us some very clear instruction in the Bible. And um, He's given us parameters that will serve the good of the people in the culture. Answering questions about morality can be vague and overwhelming when we look inside here or when we look to government to decide what's right and wrong. We need a compass outside of ourselves. Now we say GPS. You know, if you've got a GPS, who needs a compass, right? <laughs> Don't need it. You know, we just, but we need something. We need something outside of ourselves. Someone, really, like God, who knows how it all works who can be objective and unchanging, on whom we can build our lives and our our society. So God's given us these guidelines and parameters that can actually be applied and practiced within a culture. Christ followers are called to know what those are. We're called to a higher authority. We live God's way regardless of human law. You know, if human laws, you know, a lower law, we step up to the higher law. You, you can learn an immense amount about morality uh, as you get into Scripture and find out what God says about it. We're responsible for this. We're responsible to know God's will in these matters and engage our culture in an appropriate way that will influence it, hopefully, to adopt God's definition of normal. I, I don't want to just check out. I can't just check check out and do what Scripture is telling me to do. I need to engage out of love for the people around me. For Christ followers, it's our duty to engage our culture in a loving way. This this is our duty. This is what we're called to do. We don't get a pass on this. We've got to get in the game. Um, According to the Scriptures, loving people and influencing them are tied together. Because think about this. Jesus modeled how to speak the truth in love and how to engage people in a way that really showed he was genuinely concerned for them and it made people around him want to do what he was saying. This is how it is. This is, this is the way it works. Um, people often resist even good ideas if they don't think the person pro- pro- promoting the idea cares especially if they don't care about them. So we can't influence the world like Jesus did. I mean, he turned it upside down. I was just listening to a book this week that reminded me of how earth-shattering uh, his, and earth-impacting his life was. He had no resources. He was a very poor carpenter from Nazareth. And... He lived his life, he taught his, he ta- he taught his teaching, and he invested in these men who turned the world upside down. That's what the historians of his day said. He, he turned it totally upside down with no resources whatsoever. We aren't going to have that kind of influence, but he wants us to do our part as an, as an individual person who's following him. And then collectively, hopefully, we can make, we can make a difference. But anyway, um, Jesus made a difference. He wants us to do too. And here are some passages. I want to wrap up with some passages 
that show us how to have helpful conversations and relationships that influence for good and then what we can do in relating to the government as well. Uh, Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you, you uh, ought to answer each person. We gain influence when we act wisely. We don't say things out of turn. We have the right timing with our words and with our actions, right procedure. We think about what's right before God and others. It's important to remember that living wisely within God's design for how he defines reality uh, doesn't negate other people. It doesn't put them down. It should actually bless the people that we're interacting with. This is, this is what we're seeing here in this passage. The one who lives wisely can bless others by choosing gracious speech that benefits and is a help to those who hear them. And uh, choosing words that are pure and full of flavor and substance, salty words that make people want to know more, that don't make people want to tell you to shut up, <laughs> is the idea there, that they want, they want you to, to share more. And then 1 Peter 3.15 is another key passage. But in your hearts honor Christ as Lord. Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness. And respect. We, we shouldn't just adopt the culture, and we also shouldn't just react to the culture. The Bible tells us to think through, to know the issues, to be informed of what's going on, to know what God says about the hot issues in our, in our culture, and then with gentleness and respect, be able to get in conversations. This is the wise approach. Helpful conversations are flavored with gentleness and respect in this way. So here are two general thoughts about how to influence the culture. First one, have helpful conversations about important issues. Now, we tend to stay away from these, but uh, because there is this adage, you know, you don't want to talk politics and religion because it could blow up in your face. But, you know, if we're, if we're going to really have more than just surface relationships with the people around us, we've got to talk about what really matters. So learn to engage. Learn to have conversations. Colossians and 1 Peter talks about this. How to have informal, relational conversations with family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, and all. Get into the Bible to understand what God says about these issues and try to explain it to, to others. This kind of influence can happen uh, when we choose the right attitudes, uh, positions, and beliefs that match God's views and at the same time show the love of God to the folks around us. We can also influence others uh, if we use our rights and freedom to influence the government in a way that honors God. Um, what does that look like? Practically, it means I need to be informed. Uh, I need to know the current issues. I know, need to know what they are and discover what God's perspective is on those issues. There's another handout in your, in your program that we put together. Uh, it's some helpful... Some of the, uh, the, the, the big ideas are from Wayne Grudem and a book he wrote, Voting as a Christian. But 
I'd like you to look at that handout real briefly because we have this idea that church and state should be separate, which we interpret to mean, which that, that is an important idea, but we interpret it to mean that Christians just stay out of politics. We don't want to get into these kinds of conversations and try to influence the government. So we have this idea, but there's a real case that can be made in Scripture for Christians to be involved in trying to influence government and do what we can to do that. Um, so this handout makes a case for that. Freedom, it, talks, it, it, it sort of makes a case for that on the front page. You can look it over, and then on the back it talks about the importance of freedom of religion and freedom of speech in, in a culture, in a country. Uh, I'd like to ask you to just dig into those on your own. But many think there should be this distinct separation between church and, church and government to keep religion out of government. That's not what the Founding Fathers intended. It was the other way around. They, they set up this separation to keep government out of church life so that there would be no intrusion there. And so we've, we've got it kind of backwards in our mind these days. They were trying to protect jur- uh, churches from government intrusion, um, not vice versa. This is what Jesus taught as well. You can see it in that handout. So practically, I can be informed. I can understand my role in, in government. Secondly, I can vote. We all have a vote. We get one. Um, we need to vote for those who match up with the boundaries that God has set for life. Understand what those uh, are. I mean, we don't have all the info about the people we're voting for, but again, getting informed can help. We need to have conversations the way we can influence. We want to articulate God's definition normal and listen to other views around us and get into good conversations about it. And then finally, email and write representatives. It's another way to express your, your voice. Your def- I've never done a, a message series quite like this. And the reason I did it is because your definition of normal is crucial for your own life and for the life of your children and then generations beyond. Your definition of normal is going to have a tremendous impact on the life and good that you experience here. Does it match God's views? Does it line up with his definition? Do you need to learn more about God's views and what he says? And then beyond deciding for yourself, if you follow Christ, he wants you to seek to influence those around you and to consider God's views of what's normal and pleases him and to try to figure out, is there a way to influence government itself and help be a part of leading the government or influencing the government to do what's good for the people of the country. This is a key part of our role. Jesus said we're to be salt and light. So wherever we're sprinkled, we're to leave a good taste in the mouth of uh, those around us. And we're to be light in the culture that we live in. This is our role as Christians. Uh, As you think those things over, I'd like to wrap up the message and ask you to think through some next steps. If you would, please take out your... uh, connection card that's in your program, and if you haven't had a chance to fill it out completely, you could finish filling out any information that's there. As the band comes up, I just want to walk through a couple of 
next steps for you that I've suggested on that card. You, you may have others that came to mind. Then when the offering ushers come around, you can drop it in the offering. But here are some suggested next steps. First one, pray that God will open doors to conversations where you can influence those around you. Even praying that prayer is scary because then you might get into a conversation. Um, but just set your heart to be gracious and gentle and, and respectful and try to figure out what people are thinking and what's going on so that you can sort of explain what Scripture says about those. And then secondly, if you check that box, sign up to get resources that can help me get informed of key issues uh, and how I can take action. I'll, I'll send you some resources this week by email. Uh, some links to uh, ways to stay uh, in touch, and some books that you could read that would really be a help to you. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for just how you're concerned about all of life, because you're concerned about all of us. And I ask God that you would really help us, each of us, to, to want to know you better and to want to understand you and why you put life together the way you did and really understand your, your definition of what's normal. Pray for your help in this, your motivation to do what's right before you and to be the influence in our world that you want us to be. God, we ask for your help in all this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.